Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So we're, um, we are again in this series of the waiting father. Rather than calling that the prodigal son, we're actually looking at the father. And I, I so am so thankful for our worship team and, and helping us just to sing these songs about the love of God and the wide open arms of our Father and all. just helps us to picture him. So we, in this series, have looked at the Father when his son came home. We've looked at the Father actually in a very humble and humiliating way against that culture, actually running to his his son running, which was against culture for an older man to do, but he forgot about his dignity and just demonstrated the overwhelming, exploding joy of his son coming home. And then we saw that he embraced his son, he kissed his son, he, um, he gave him a robe, which spoke to us of of the acknowledgement of his our place with the with the father of right standing robe of righteousness um, he also gave him a ring and today we're going to take it a little bit further if you look in Luke the 15th chapter in verse 22 all of these dramatic expressions keep saying from the father you're mine you're mine you belong to me I want you. Nothing you've done can cut you off from me. I want you. Aren't you thankful that you are loved by the Father? And so, uh, in Luke 15, in verse 22, let's look at this. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. Today we're going to look at sandals for his feet. All right. Uh, Tony has passed on some notes to me, and I'd, I'd like us to look on, let's look at this um, quote from William Barclay. It says, the children of the family, talking about the owners of a, uh, the barons of land, the children of the family were shod and slaves were not. The slave's dream in the Negro spiritual song is of the time when all God's chillin' got shoes for shoes were the sign of freedom and in the culture that this story uh that's this parable was given the the time when jesus actually gave this parable in that culture slaves or servants did not wear shoes and you could tell their standing or their station in life by looking at their feet people who were not servants or slaves ones that were more in a ruling class got to wear the shoes so we see when this man comes home he may have been shoeless he may have lost his shoes he'd been in the pig pen for sure and his, it was a mess but when he came home one of the first things that his father did he said get shoes on his feet and it was another way of him saying he is mine he belongs to this family, all right? He's not a slave. He's not a servant, but
but he's a son. Go to Galatians, the fourth chapter in verse 7. Paul was saying here, therefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. Say this, I am a son. Jesus was the first son, but the work of the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection was to bring many sons. So I am a son. Let's say it again. I am a son. We belong to the Father, so he's a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So Jesus, though, as the first son, he set a pattern and is the model of how Father God's sons look like, how they act, the attitudes. And we see in the person of Jesus the kind of son that we are. So Jesus not only came to show us the Father, Jesus also came to show us us. This is the way sons act. This is the way sons interact. And so Philippians, the second chapter, and the seventh verse tells us something about us as sons because Jesus set the pattern. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So even though Jesus, the Son of God, God, second person of the Godhead, from that place as Son, he did serve. All right? So Jesus isn't a servant. He's a Son, and yet from that place of Son, he served as a Son. Do you see the difference? He's not a slave. He's not beggarly. And yet from this place of dominion, he served. How gracious is that? So what does that set the pattern for us? Well, we know this. We belong to the Father. We're not groveling. We're not scratching, trying to get some kind of favor. If I can do enough, if I can be good enough, if I can do enough things, if I can serve enough that maybe I have Father's care and, and love. No, you've already got it. But from this place of already having it, we serve. Is that gorgeous or what? So, and last week we looked at authority. We have the ring. We have authority. Our words count because we are sons of God. Jesus himself said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have his name. We have the ring. So we have authority, but we're not authoritative, authoritarian, arrogant. We don't reign over each other. We serve one another. The way that we are with people is, if we could demonstrate it with hands, we're like this instead of like this. We look to serve. Uh, even in our own homes, I tell you, serving a, a wife, serving her husband, but also a husband serving his wife. Jesus, we, Jesus is the model of, of husbands 
who came to serve. Wow, that's a different thing, isn't it? Parents, listen, serving their children, but also children serving. Not authoritarian, but because we love, we serve. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, uh, we see in, uh, in Scripture, then in the epistles, John, in the epistles 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he called himself a servant of God. Jude, in the book of Jude, did too. Peter also called himself a servant. James also called himself a servant. And certainly Paul, not just, not just once, but I, I counted about five times, called himself a servant. And he knew well he was a son. But it is the highest honor to serve. One of the things that helped me with, with, uh, with Anna going uh, was uh, I remembered and I looked at some pictures. Uh, Tony and I were going through their children's, uh, I have boxes of memories and stuff like that back in, in Ohio. And in, in January when we were there, we were looking at her pictures and, uh, and in her baby book, and we looked at her dedication pictures. And when she's just a tiny little thing in Sicily, in Palermo, Sicily, we brought her to church as soon as we, it was the first Sunday we could get her back, get her to church. And we had her dedicated, and that pastor lifted her up really high above his head to the Lord. And, I, and they got a picture of that. And I thought, and he gave her back. He said, she's yours to raise, but she belongs to God. I thought, all righty then. And we meant it, and he took us up on it. Well, there is no greater honor in all the world than to serve the king. And all of us do, and all of us can. We don't want to be self-serving and taking and doing what, what and wanting other people to serve us and, and serving ourselves and doing whatever we can to make life just better for ourselves. No, the highest honor of a human being on this earth and a son of God is to serve the family, to serve the purposes of this great family, this great kingdom. It will never come to an end. Think about it. If you, had, if you had the opportunity, a cousin or a friend who was called upon by the administration of, of the federal government here to come and serve personally the prime minister, you'd probably be telling your friends about it. Oh, I know them. You know, they, they personally. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I tell you what, you know each other and you personally serve the king. Amen. We look for opportunities. Lord, use my hands. Lord, use my feet. Use my mouth. Use my eyes. Use me, Lord, for the furthering of the kingdom of God. Praise God. Can you just raise your hand and, just, and thank him that he's chosen you. Hallelujah. Not only as a son, but Lord, we offer ourselves freely to serve your purposes, and that the kingdom of God would be advanced in Jesus' name. Now, so we're free to serve. My sister wrote a song years ago, 
uh, and it says, I am a servant, let me tell you why. I found a master who set me free from sin. My former wages would mean I'd have to die. But now I have eternal life and righteousness within. I have freedom, the Course says. I have freedom to serve the one I love. He has bought and paid for me. Now I belong to him. The Lord is preparing me a place to reign above, but I'm so glad that I can say I'm his servant. We are sons, but from that place we serve, okay? So now let's go on to Galatians, the fourth chapter, uh, and let's look at it in another translation. This translation doesn't use the word servant. This one, and both of them are right. They, they both uh, capture something. This one says, you are no longer a slave. Didn't just say servant, it says a slave. No, slave is actually worse than servant <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a negative way. Slave gives the connotation of uh, absolutely uh, not doing anything for, for reciprocation. You are made to do what you're told to do. You are made to do things you don't even want to do. There, you have no choice as a slave. It says you're no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. Now go to Romans 6.14, and it says, Sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you, since now you are not under law as slaves, but under grace, the subjects of God's favor and mercy. Look at verse 16. Well, before I comment on that, we're not slaves any longer. But I tell you what, every single one of us, because that sin uh, is passed down through the flesh, every one of us have been slaves to sin. Different people have been slaves to different kinds of sin. But no one in this room can point a finger at anybody else in this room and say, you know, you are really a mess. Of course, I'm wonderful. Because everyone in this world or in this room has been a slave of some way to sin. We've ended up feeling like we had to do, we couldn't keep ourselves from doing what we didn't want to do. Don't sit there nice, nice and holy. Did anybody know what I'm talking about? You didn't want to do it, but you did it. And you promised you'd never do it again, and you did it again. And you made vows to yourself and people you loved, I'll never do it again, and you did it again. Slave to sin. Slave to addictions. And this says in verse 14, that we are no longer slaves. Aren't you glad you're no longer a slave? Well... Not any longer a slave, but now go to verse 16, because I want you to see this. You do not know, or don't you know, and evidently, we don't know unless the Bible tells us. Don't you know that if you continually surrender yourself 
to anyone to do his will. You are the slave of him who, whom you obey, whether that be to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So I'm talking to sons right here. When you obey, when you obey and submit yourself, I'm talking about people who are free, our sons, have a ring, have a robe, have shoes. But when you submit yourself to sin, you can, as sons, end up being a slave. I know, now not in the sight of the Father, but you can become a slave to something when you yield yourself. Do you know any other, not you of course, but do you know any brothers and sisters in the Lord that are bound with something? Yeah. Yeah. The thing about it is, from God's standpoint, he has made us free because of what Christ did. Jesus bought our freedom. So if there's any bondage, it is not, it is not any other thing than what we make ourselves a slave by what we yield to. Isn't that interesting? But now let's look at Romans, the eighth chapter. We won't stay too long on this, but let's look at Romans 8, because I had it, this in my heart. This word is going to help somebody today. This is going to be truth that will make you free today. And it says, so then, brethren, we're not debtors, or we are debtors, but not to the flesh. We're not obligated to our carnal nature to live a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. I love the way the Amplified says this. You're not obligated to your carnal nature. You're not, you're free. And there may be something in your flesh that says, I'm going to submit to that, but you're not obligated to do it. You're not obligated. The next time that whatever you have submitted yourself to, uh, and, and maybe there's a habit there that you don't like, say out loud, I'm not obligated to do that. There's somebody in here who's trying to, to stop smoking. Well, rather than getting under condemnation and making you feel that separation, because God isn't condemning you. God's not condemning you. He is drawing you to himself. But well, why don't you look at that cigarette and say, I'm not obligated to smoke that. It speaks to you and say, you need me. You want me. You can't live without me. You have to have me. Well, why don't you talk back to it and say, I'm not obligated to you. Amen. And that's the same way with any other, with any other thing that is a prob problematic in your life. Talk to it. You say, well, I went ahead and smoked. I tell you what, if you'll talk from your free heart, your son heart, your very free spirit, talk from that. Your flesh may feel bound, but talk, to the, talk from the place that's free and say, I'm not obligated. Amen. So why don't we just put that in our mouth right now and smoke it? <laughs> Let's just say this. I'm not obligated. Look at that thing. Look at that temptation that is saying, you have to have me, you want me, you need me. And look at it and say, I'm not obligated to you. 
I don't have to have you. Praise God. All right. Now go to Hebrews uh, 2. Hebrews 2. Let's look at something else that putting the shoes on makes us aware of that we're free of. So we're free from sin. Putting the shoes on is a sign that we're free from sin. We're not obligated to it. Jesus has made us free from sin. You say, but I still sin. Yeah, but you're not obligated to do it anymore. You used to not be able to uh, control. But you now are not obligated to sin because you're free. Let's look at something else that the Bible says we're free of. Hebrews 2.15. Uh, um, actually, I'd like to read. I don't know if I can bring it up. I need 2.14. Oh, I'll quote it, okay? Unless you can find it for me in the Bible there. Hebrews 2.14, it says that, thank you. Oh, I like, oh, you're just the right person at the right time. You also have glasses. No, I'm kidding. I think I can see it. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that means that you and I have skin. We all have bodies. But we've partaken of flesh and blood, it says here that he himself likewise shared in the same. So Jesus became flesh. That through death he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. He might destroy him. Now let's go to verse 15. Oh, you got it. Oh, I love that. So he has the power. He is able to destroy him who has the power of death. Thank you, um, David. Verse 15 says, only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Fear is a horrible thing. The Bible says that fear has torment. And fears, you can be afraid of the dark, you can be afraid of tomorrow, you can be afraid of yesterday, you can be afraid of... Uh, cancer, you can be afraid of uh, being mugged. You can, people can have fears of all kind of things, but if you chase that fear down, boil it all down, what ultimately that fear is rooted in is ultimately a fear of dying. And when Jesus busted the devil, he broke the ground. He broke what all fear is rooted in is a fear of dying, and we're not afraid to die. Not afraid in the world to die, because literally, we don't. We just go to a better place. <laughs> Death doesn't scare us, because we're children of the resurrection, bless the name of the Lord. But we don't have to have a fear, any fear in our life. And, and when I was looking at these and praying about how God would want us to unpack the shoes, I really felt like he wanted this verse of Scripture because he wants to have people set free of any kind of fear. We call this a no-fear family. We are just absolutely not afraid. We don't give fear any place. Because God, who is the father of this family, is love, and perfect love does what to fear? 
It casts it out. We're not afraid. So we're going to be saying about our lives and about, about uh, different things in our life, we're not obligated to sin and that we will not fear. Have no fear because our God not only lives with us, he lives in us and love lives in us and that casts out fear. So this week, Starting today, address the things that have been speaking to you. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Things that try to make you anxious. Speak to it and say, I will not fear. God is with me. He is in me. And I will not fear you. Amen. Let's just put that in our mouth right now. I will not fear. Hallelujah. This, the, the Father that we've been singing all these wonderful songs, his banner over me is love. When, we, when you start drinking of that love, it melts that, the clench of the fist of, of fear in your life. And then, you know, you get away from the consciousness of that, and it tries to come back. I tell you what, drink of his love, drink of the person and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and declare, I will not fear. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, let's look at something else here. The feet, the feet uh, in the Bible speaks of different things and ha is a type of some different things. Uh, in this story, we want to look at one of the purposes that we can see across the whole Bible concerning feet. Feet speak of several things, but one thing uh, across the Bible speaks of divine purpose and divine plan for our life. So the feet on the body enable the body to actually stand. Without feet, you're not able to stand. You have to be carried. You have to be, you know, you have to be assisted. But when you have feet, you can stand. Listen to, listen to this on your own. You can stand up. Not only can you stand, but you can actually, if you have feet, walk. It enables you to walk. And so God, for his sons, wants his sons to stand up, not to be the road for something to walk on, not to be groveling and crawling through life. He wants us standing up. But not only does he want us standing up, he has a purpose and a plan for every single one of his sons, and we can walk in life. It speaks of his purpose, divine purpose, and plan. The sandals on our feet speak of his preparation in us for his purposes and plans. God always prepares you for things he has prepared for you. That preparation in school, you know, uh, you start preparing children to live in this life. They start going to school at a young age. But preparation for sons of God never, ever comes to an end. Right now, no matter how young or old you are, we are all being prepared for what is prepared for us. One season of your life prepares you for the next. Why? 
because God wants all his sons on their feet and in motion and walking with him. And to do that, he prepares us. He puts sandals on our feet. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, one of the way that we're prepared, e Ephesians, the sixth chapter, if you'll go there, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and verse 15, having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy in an affirm-footed stability and promptness and readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. And so the gospel of peace prepares your feet for what God has prepared for you. You're able to stand against the enemy. You're able to walk on thorny roads. You don't just have to walk on flowery beds of ease. If you've got the right shoes on, you can walk on rocks. Praise God. You can walk on thorns, and you'll be okay. So preparation is important. Now, uh, Exodus, the 12th chapter, in verse 11, we can see this. Thus, and this was back when the children of Israel, the night before, they left Egypt and they were having the Passover. And uh, part of the instruction for that was, thus you shall eat it, that's the Passover lamb, with a belt on your waist, in other words, eat it, dress fully ready to go, and sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, so shall you eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. The, pe the, the shoes here, the shoes here indicate a readiness to go. God wants his sons on their feet, in motion, ready to be moving, ready to do something. God, no matter how old you are, never ever just gives you a chair just to say, let's watch this in. You know, I I've, I've have maybe some years. Uh, I've already done quite a bit. And now I'm just going to watch what's going on. No! As long as you're alive, there's a purpose and there's a plan. And there's fruitfulness and there's productiveness. Praise the name of the Lord. We get to rest over on the other side. But on this side, we're servants of the Most High God. Amen? So we serve. Now, um, Isaiah 52, let's look at that. Isaiah 52, how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of the messengers that bring good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. We sing God reigns. And so our feet have great, every single person, every child of God in this room, our feet have purpose to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to people who have not heard it. Amen. And that will be, that will be in our own world, our own friends, our own neighbors, our own co-workers, our relatives, and then people that we just happen to come across. Our feet have purpose. Our feet have direction. And this week, let's just believe that our feet are directed to people who need to hear that Jesus Christ is Lord, can change their life. Aren't you glad the good news came to you? All sons of God have a purpose to stand and to walk and to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to other people. Uh, the last thing that I want to share with you is uh, I, I woke up, um, I think it was Friday morning, and the Lord put this in my heart, that there are 
promises for your feet or your purpose today. And we're going to let the Word of God uh, be on your feet today. Your feet are precious. um, What I'm saying is God's purpose for your life is really precious today. And there's some promises in the Word of God that are just going to help you. So let's let the Word um, shot our feet today, can we? Let's let it speak. So let's go to Psalms 18. He makes my feet. Say, my feet. That means... That means God's purpose for your life, God's plan for your life, all right? God makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Well, if you've never seen a deer do what a deer does, that may be boring to you. But um, recently, you know, in January, I was back in Colorado, and uh, right around my, my parents' home. They live out in the wilderness on the mountains of Colorado. We, we'd go out nearly every single day to look for wildlife, big game. And those, those deer, daddy would call it pliff, pliff, pliff. Those deer can just, I don't know, like they got springs in their feet and they can leap and bound from, from crevice to crevice and, and rock to rock. I don't know how they do it, but it's, it's as though they, they can just bounce on their, on their feet. And he makes your feet, say he makes my feet, like the feet of the deer. You're not going to be slugging through life, dragging your feet through life, all, all just all just bored with life and dragging and all buried in where you are right now. No, you got feet of a deer. He gives your feet like the feet of a deer, and he sets me on my high places. What does that mean? God's purpose for your life. You don't have to uh, be the best in somebody else's plan. But what God has for you, let's get there. Amen. Let's go to the next verse, verse 36. You've enlarged my path under me so my feet didn't slip. And I felt in my heart that's going to help somebody. Get out of fear about making a mistake. No. He's enlarging the path under you so you don't don't slip. Say this, I will not slip. Why? Because you're so amazing? No, because he makes your feet able to do what you, you couldn't get your feet to do, and he also makes the path so you don't have to slip. Can we just for, for five seconds, let's just thank God. Woo! We're going someplace in God as sons of God. We got a robe on. We got a ring on. We got the love of the Father, but we have a purpose for our life. In Jesus' name, my feet won't slip. Let's look at another verse. Psalms 25, verse 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. I had in my heart that there's somebody here, your feet are in a net. You've gotten stuck, got stuck in a situation, got tangled up in a situation. I'm telling you what, in the name of Jesus, he is plucking your feet out of the net. What has gotten tangled up Got, you've gotten tangled up in something. You're coming out, and I declare it in the name of Jesus. Can you take it right now? Let's just thank God right now. If it's not just for yourself, for one another. You're coming out. You're not being stuck in a net. Praise the Lord. Let's look at the next promise. Promise for our feet. 
He lifted me out of the pit of despair. Whew, that can be depression, that can be self-pity. Woe is me. My life's been so bad, people have been mean to me. Nope, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. Glory be to God. Let's look at the next promise. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. This follows the, the verse right before. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. I tell you what, when you get, when you're walking, you're walking free of nets, you're walking out of mud and mire, you're not the only one happy. People who are also stuck in mud and stuck in nets look at somebody that's free and they say, it can happen for me. If it happened for you, it can happen for me. Hallelujah. I believe, and this just came up in my heart when I was praying for you in preparation for today, that God is going to be using your testimonies of how he's gotten your feet out of the mud. Use your testimony like a, like a tool or a weapon this week and help other people know they can put their trust in God. Let's look at the next promise. For you have rescued me from death. Praise God. You've kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O oh God, in your life-giving light. I know I like that. And we had something about him uh, keeping our feet from slipping, but I like that this verse adds something else to it. He keeps my feet from slipping so I can walk in your presence. It doesn't say he keeps my feet from slipping and keeps them, uh, put them on a rock, and um, he, said he, he helped get me out of a net so I can do what I want to do. I've always had a lot of things I wanted to do, and now I can get to what I want to do. no. It says this, so I can walk in your presence. We belong to God. This is my life, I can do what I want. No, you never did do just what you want. You were either under the tyranny of the devil or the lordship of Jesus. Oh, folks, we have been set free to walk before God in the land of the living. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And he keeps our feet from flipping, uh, flipping, <laughs> from slipping. Go to the last promise. Let's look at the last promise. It said, he saved me from death. My, oh, this is sweet. My eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God's purpose and plan for your life isn't for you to be sad and dismal. Life can be hard. <laughs> Sometimes people can be mean. Situations can be tough. But with the right shoes on, and with these wonderful promises of what our God does with our feet, Life can do what it does, but your feet aren't going to get trapped, not going to be slipping. 
And don't be picturing yourself, embracing yourself, walking tense through life. You know how it is when you're walking tense through life. I don't want to slip. I slipped slipped before. I know what that's like. And I just nearly never came out out of it. And so you just kind of walk tense. Our trust is in God that he keeps our feet from slipping. So we don't walk tentatively, crouching. But we walk as sons of God, confident that he's making the road clean before us. He's keeping our feet from slipping and he's making springs in our feet that we're able to go from, from event and situation to situation and we go higher and higher instead of caving and crumbling. Thank you, Jesus. Andy, if you can come, praise the name of the Lord. We've got a good God, don't we? I want you just to look at your feet. You don't have somebody else's feet. You've got yours. I don't know where all those feet have gone. I don't know where your fear, whose other feet, your feet are around right now. But God knows about your feet today. God knows about your feet. God knows about the feet of your children. God's more concerned about the feet of your children than you are. That's a comfort, isn't it? Just breathe a sigh of relief on that. God is more concerned about the feet of your grandchildren. Praise the name of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning for your great love over our feet. That you've made our feet free. Our feet are free. We don't have the feet of slaves and we're not obligated to be slaves. Anything that tries to enslave our feet, we can say we're not obligated. We don't have to have fainting and fawning feet. Feet that are afraid. Feet that are confident to move in a right direction. We don't have to have wandering feet, wandering feet. Feet that are going backwards. We thank you. We take these promises today, promises concerning our feet. And we let your word put these promises like shoes on our feet. In Jesus' name. We declare that feet are coming out of traps and out of mud and mire of self-pity and depression. Traps of the devil. We say that feet are being steady today. Set in a safe place today. In Jesus' name. And I declare over every person a consciousness the Lord of our life the Lord of our life has made provision for his purposes for our life. Open our eyes to see what you have planned for us. Fruitfulness, purpose, destiny. That we're not dabbling and dribbling among the low places of life, but we are sons of the living God. 
Help sons that have fallen down to stand up. Come home, come home. We were singing it today. Come home. Jesus is calling. Come. We're just so thankful for that. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.